Hello, I'm Jennifer Hansen, and you're listening to Take a Breath, a series where we ask some of the amazing people who work within our Frio 2 community to sit with us, take a breath, and tell us their stories. We'll hear all about the passions, heartaches, hopes, and fears of our friends who dedicate their lives to bringing breath to others. I'm Helen Palmer, the host of this podcast with Madeline Bourne, CEO of Adara Group. Welcome to taking a few breaths in conversation with me today, Maddie. Hi, Helen. Lovely to be here. I would love it if you would kick off with telling us a little bit about the Adara Group, because it doesn't seem to be a typical not-for-profit organization. You're right about that. We're quite an unusual bunch of people working together. Um, Our motto is bridging worlds, and that's really where um, we see the organization. So we're made up of two corporate finance businesses that exist for the sole purpose of generating profits for Adara Development, which is the NGO that I am the CEO of. I'm not a corporate advisory director or anything like that, Uh, but we work together hand in hand believing that the power of business can really change the lives of people living in poverty. And tell me, how did you come to work with them? What's your story? Um, So I've had the privilege of working at Adara for eight and a half years. I actually joined the organization in a, a role in communications, but very quickly realized that I was incredibly passionate about Adara's work, particularly in um, maternal and newborn child health and and in global health. So that led me back to university and I completed my master's in international public health. And um, that kind of let me cross over into working on the program side of the organization. And was there something particularly in newborn health that caught your attention or your heart maybe? I think there's a few things. I think the first thing is my mom is a midwife. So she was very bold when I was about seven or eight. She was a nurse working in rehabilitation who decided to go back and retrain as a midwife. And I think I just thought it was magical that you got to be part of that start of life and um, and to help mums in that journey. But really, it was my first trip to Uganda and kind of seeing the impact of neonatal intensive care and how much of a difference you can make for small and sick newborns. And I think a lot of people don't realize that the world has made these incredible gains in reducing child deaths. So during the Millennium Development Goals, we halved the number of children under five. Wow. Yeah. But unfortunately um, for newborns, things didn't really change. And still now about half of all children who die every year, um, they die in that first 28 days. So if we really want to make changes for child mortality, we really have to start with these tiny, beautiful little babies. Ah, indeed, indeed. And I'm wondering that there's a connection there to how you came to be introduced to the Frio 2 team. Absolutely. (laughs) So um, I think we were first introduced to them about three or four years ago after months of everyone we talked to said, you have to meet these people. You have to meet these, they're engineers, they're scientists, and they are really doing amazing work to to save the lives of children in low resource settings. And I think as soon as I met Roger, I was just so blown away by the work of the organization and just felt so aligned um, with Frio 2 as well. I think their approach and their philosophy is really aligned with how Adara works. And so we've spent the past few years trying to figure out um, how we could work together. And it looks like 2021 is going to be the year um, and Frio 2 are going to be supporting us as we 
open a new neonatal intensive care unit, helping us to make sure there's oxygen available for these tiny little babies in wow. Uganda. Wow. Yeah. I did wonder when you mentioned about Uganda, if that was the place where the connection may have happened or that you actually even got to visit some of the places where Frioto is working there. Unfortunately, I haven't yet, but I know our team are hoping to go and visit the work of Frio2. Um, my interaction has all been in the, in the workshop in Melbourne, kind of seeing them tinkering away with the, with the devices, but um, I'd love to see their programs on the ground. Oh, well, they have a treat in store because we talked to Sheila from Uganda on a previous podcast and she said that she will welcome anybody and be very happy to show them a little bit about the culture and have their expertise come and take part in what they're doing. Amazing. I would love to take her up on that. <laughs> One of the questions that we think about on this podcast is about what powers us, because if oxygen is one of those very life-giving things that actually helps us with the fuel in our body. And I'm curious for you personally, what gives you the energy and gets your energy flowing for the work that you do? I think it's a pretty even mix of rage and hope. And I think I wake up every day feeling pretty angry about the inequality in our world. And I think watching what's unfolding in Nepal and in India right now, you can't help but have that sadness and the rage, I guess, about injustice. But I think I also really believe that the world can be better. And if I didn't, it would be very hard to get out of bed in the morning. And um, I think in this work also, we're just exposed to the absolute best of mankind. So you know, following the earthquake in Nepal in 2015, I saw my amazing colleagues who, many of whom had lost their homes, who, had, who were living in tents for months afterwards. Within days, they mobilized and kind of came together and delivered healthcare to 10,000 people. Um, it's just, you know, seeing the incredible strength of people and what they can do just really fuels me as well and fills me with hope that we can do better. What <laughs> a great, a what a great story. And I, I'm suspecting there are many stories that you hear and are part of in the group. Absolutely. I think um, another one that just touches my heart is in Uganda. I, we work in um, follow-up care of neonates after they leave ICU. And uh, we have this amazing community midwife called Sister Corny. And I've seen her you know, tread through floodwaters to get to a baby who's unwell because she wants to make sure they get that follow-up care. So you really do see the, the absolute best of humankind and that's so empowering. I can imagine so. Just even listening to it, I'm, I'm feeling the energy that comes from that. Yeah. And you talk about some of the challenges that your colleagues have faced. I'm wondering for you, Maddie, has there been a particular challenge that struck you during your work life and how did you deal with that? Um, I think the biggest challenge in this work is just a constant feeling of it's not enough. You know, our team are reaching 50,000 people a year or more, but there's so much more that you could do. And so I think that's something that, um, that I find challenging in this work. And I think right now it feels a lot like that watching um, COVID unfold in Nepal, we've seen a 1200% increase in cases in the past few weeks and, and really following India down that path. And I think that feeling of what else could we be doing or could we be doing mm. more? Um, and so I think for, to deal with that, I really try and focus on the things that you can control and you can influence because otherwise you just get stuck in that worry and I'm really putting, trying to give our team um, 
the power to really do what they can and and try not to feel the responsibility for the things they can't control. A big theme that's been emerging in this time of the pandemic is about mental health and well-being. Are there some things in particular that you've found really useful for you with the challenges you're facing? Um, I think really open and honest conversation. I think at the Adara team are, are very much like a family. I know that's a very cliched thing to say, but we are a very loving environment. And I think the ability to, to debrief with each other and our colleagues, we have colleagues in Nepal and Uganda and the US and at different points of the pandemic have had different levels of stress and anxiety. And I think being able to share that experience as one group has been very, um, I don't know, really an interesting time to live through. I think often when something's happening, like the earthquake, it's happening to one group of us, but this has kind of been a uniting terrible experience. <laughs> so it's kind of been a great way to kind of support each other, I guess, as well. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I mentioned before about the life-giving nature of oxygen. Is there things that you personally do physically that help the oxygen flow in your body? Um, I have to be honest, I'm not the most athletic person in the world, um, but there is this amazing YouTube channel called Kukua, which is an African dance tutorial, and it is very intense, but the, I just get can't stop smiling when I'm doing it. I hope nobody ever sees me do it because <laughs> it's not very graceful, but um, it's really fun. They're, they're a group of women from Ghana and they play music from all over the continent and teach different dance moves. And so that's one way I like to get oxygen pumping in my body. Well, and what I'm hearing too, is it probably gets some joy going for yeah. you as well. And I've seen that video that went around of the group. I think it was from somewhere in South Africa had put a bit of a, a beat together and now lots of people, even like nuns in a, a convent in Ireland, are dancing to this and just seeing the kind of joy. And I think it speaks to the point you were making about supporting, just seeing a group of people coming together and doing this together and figuring out the moves, just such joy in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's even better when I'm in my lounge room and no one can see. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> One of the things that FreeO2 is very central about is the role of oxygen and what it plays in the life and I'm of children. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering what role does medical oxygen play in neonatal health, which is something where there's a connection point for you in the Adara group and FreeO2. Absolutely. Um, it is critical. So as I mentioned, that first 28 days of life, that neonatal period is the most vulnerable time for a child's survival. Um, every year across the world, about 2.5 million newborns die during that first 28 days. And 80% of all these deaths result from three preventable and treatable conditions. Um, the first being complications due to prematurity. And for these little preterm babies who are born too soon, the most common cause of death is neonatal respiratory distress syndrome. So our RDS people refer to it as. So this is really common in preterm infants because their lungs haven't fully developed. They aren't able to make enough surfactant, um, which is this foamy substance that helps keeps their lungs in inflated. And so they really struggle to breathe during that time. Um, and so when that happens, their lungs collapse in completely and it's wow. really distressing to watch. So they, you see their little lungs collapse in, they're grunting really hard, trying to fill them up. And they kind of describe it as that 
that first breath when you're blowing up a balloon, you know how hard it is to mm. get that air in. That's what every breath is like for wow. these little babies. Yeah. And so um, without treatment, they eventually die from just the, the stress of trying to keep their lungs inflated. So we're really fortunate in countries like Australia, we have elaborate machines that help these babies get the support they need to breathe. But for babies in settings where we work, um, respiratory distress syndrome is often a death sentence and most facilities wouldn't have the equipment that they need. Mm. Um, and one of the complications is for oxygen, even though it's life-saving, for these little preterm babies, it's also toxic if it's delivered at 100%. So right. if you hook a baby up to oxygen, you might save their life. But what might happen is they could go blind. So Stevie Wonder is the most famous person who's blind from receiving oxygen, 100% oxygen as a newborn. Um, or it can create lung and brain damage as well. So these clinicians are making really difficult decisions about um, yeah. saving lives and these kind of long-term impacts. So Adara has been working for many years with um, PATH, an organization in the US and the University of Washington. Um, to develop a, a device to help these little babies breathe that blends air and oxygen together. So this is like a, a place where we cross over with Frio2 because they are able to provide the oxygen. And if we can provide the blending, we can provide a safe treatment for preterm babies in these settings, which, as I said, the most common cause of preterm death is respiratory distress. So um, we're, we're trialing this device that we've developed. It's called a, a bubble CPAP kit mm -hmm. at, in Uganda at the moment. But we hope that over time, this could save tens of thousands of lives. Wow. It seems like a match made in heaven. As you said, there's the oxygen on one side and the equipment in the other, and you're bringing those things together. Absolutely. And, and just having a, a partner who understands the oxygen so intimately and how to delivered in these settings without reliable power is just an amazing, amazing thing for us. What that highlights to me is how different people in the world have different expertise and different perspectives and the good that can come when they all come together rather than sitting in their own little pockets working on a problem by themselves. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I'm wondering, in your life, has there been a moment where you felt like your breath has been taken away and when we you ask this question because it's the name of this podcast about you know taking a moment for a, a breath and a pause has there been a moment of delight or maybe it's been a moment of awe where you've had to stop and think oh what's going on here yeah I think there's one time that really comes to mind and it starts as a bit of a sad taking the breath away but ends ends in a positive light so stay with me but yes. um in 2017 I, I on a trip to Uganda I went out with our team into the community um we have an outreach clinic to 44 villages to deliver immunization to children and growth monitoring and a grandmother arrived with her tiny little grandson um he was the sickest child I'd ever seen he was completely malnourished he was four kilos and he was one year of age wow yeah. Breaking stuff. Yes. And he was very limp and very lethargic. And I was just so scared that this little boy would die. And it did really take my breath away. It made me feel ill. Um, and our team were amazing. They whipped into action and referred him to the pediatric ward and got some support. And we learned that he was a graduate from the neonatal intensive care unit, which was also really shocking for our team. So 
Our NICU has incredible outcomes. Survival in the unit is about 90%. Um, but what happens to babies after they leave? And we thought this baby was probably an outlier, but there was this concern that there could be others like him who fall through the cracks. And seeing this little baby, his name was Dan, really pushed our team to, to start the follow-up program I mentioned before. And so now we follow up every baby who's discharged for six months after they leave the NICU. And so it's kind of led to this beautiful program that's doing amazing work. But when I went back a year later to implement the program with the team, I went back out with the community and baby Dan was at the clinic again, which oh, I couldn't believe. And he was a transformed child. He was happy, he was healthy, he was smiling, he was sitting on his grandmother's knee. I almost didn't recognize him. And um, I, I, that took my breath away as well, just seeing that transformation and what is possible. It's also giving me a goose pimple moment because it's so amazing. And, and that, as you say, it started out from a sad point of view, but went to a joyful point of view. So thank you for sharing that story with us. No problem. As we come to a close, how might people find out more about Adara Group and what they can do to support you? Absolutely. So we have a website, which is www.adaragroup.org. Um, you can also find us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter at Adara Group. And um, there's lots of ways to get involved. We are really um, always looking for supporters. So please feel free to follow along to our work and, and feel free to support us in any way you're able. Wonderful. Well, I hope people are listening are inspired as I am. Thank you so much for being part of today's conversation, Maddie. Thanks, Helen. It was great. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. In this current context of COVID-19, accessible oxygen supply is critical. A hypoxic child cannot survive seven minutes without constant oxygen supply. That's how quickly a baby's life is lost. And that's why at Frio2 have made it their mission to keep the oxygen flowing, even when the power cuts out. Please like, share and subscribe to this podcast. You can also follow us on our website, www.frio2.org or on Facebook at Frio2. Instagram and Twitter at Frio2AU and LinkedIn at Frio2 Foundation Australia. Thanks for listening.